When I Open podcast may feature language, mature themes, and violence. This is your trigger warning. Hello, you are listening to When I Open, a true crime podcast where I talk about crimes ranging from urban legends to serial killers and how they are portrayed in the media. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Tate's Guide to the Perfect Crime. Hello everyone, and welcome back to When I Open. I'm your host, Tate, and today is going to be a pretty kind of complicated episode. I am recording this on a pretty brizzy Thursday night. I'm currently watching the Law & Order SVU commercials as I recorded at least this first part, and then I plan on watching Big Sky tonight. Anyway, those were your completely unsponsored show shoutouts. And so I also want to say it is finally October spooky season, and I am so, so excited. And we will also be getting a new episode of um, <clears throat> of Scary Tales that will be coming up next week because I still have to record it. <laughs> and um, yeah. Uh, today's case is going to be about O.J. Simpson. Actually, a classmate of mine asked me what my opinion was on this case, and I told her, uh, actually, my entire class, hey, tune in Friday and you'll see my opinions and what the case is really about. So, um, without further ado, let's get into the case. For those who are unfamiliar about this case, I'm going to do like a quick little run-through of... Um, of their relationship. So Nicole Brown and AJ Simpson, OJ Simpson started dating in, I believe, in, in 1977 when Simpson was still married. He divorced his wife to marry Brown in um, 1985, and they were married. Um, they had two children. Two children, Sydney and Justin, and according to a therapist that they were seeing, the Simpson Brown marriage was a quote textbook textbook example of domestic violence. Um, Brown signed a um, prenuptial agreement and was prohibited went from working while she was married to him. Sorry, she wrote that she felt conflicted about notifying the police of the abuse because she was financially dependent on Simpson. Brown described in an incident in which Simpson broke her arm during a fight. In order to prevent him from being arrested, she had told the emergency room staff that she had fallen on her bike. She wrote about him beating her in public, during sex, and even in front of family and friends. Of these 62 incidents of abuse, the police were notified eight times and, and Simpson was arrested once. And on February 25th, 1989, sorry, 1992, Brown filed for divorce citing um, irreconcilable, irreconcilable differences. Brown said that Simpson stalked and harassed her after they divorced, an intimidation tactic meant to force the victim to back to the abuser. She documented it in an incident in which she spied on her, he spied on her having sex with her new boyfriend. Afterwards, Brown said that she felt 
like her life was in danger because Simpson had threatened to kill her if he ever found her with another man. And she was she also drafted a will. Um sorry. Brown telephoned Sigourn, a woman's shelter, on June eighth, nineteen ninety four. She was considering staying at the shelter because she was afraid of what Simpson might do to her. As she was refusing his pleas to reconcile their marriage and reported a set of keys missing from her house a few weeks earlier. The keys were found on Simpson while he was arrested for the murders of Brown and John Goldman. You'll have to, um, sorry, <laughs> you'll have to remember the fact that he did have keys to them, to the place on the same day. So, some other extra information that's important to know before I talk about, like, the murder case itself. A few days, a few months before the murders, Simpson completed a film pilot for Frogman, an adventure series similar to the A-Team, which I am too young to know. Simpson played the lead role of Bullfrog Burke, who led a group of formal Navy, formal, former U.S. Navy SEALs. He resisted a, quote, fair amount of training, fair amount of military training, including use of a knife for Frogman, and holds the throat holds a knife to the throat of a woman playing the role of his daughter in one scene. A twenty-five tape of the pilot, which did not include the knife scene, was found by investigators and watched on Simpson's trial as they searched his house. The defense tried to block it as useful on these grounds, but the judge allowed it to the tape to be shown. However, the prosecution never introduced it as evidence during the trial. It was reported that among the skills of the character Bulldog Bulldog, Bullfrog Burke, was night killings and quote and the quote silent kill technique of slashing the throat. And the seals regularly wore um, knit caps like the one found at the scene. Uh, the Navy called these watch caps. On the evening of June twelfth, nineteen ninety four, Brown and Simpson attended their daughter Sydney's dance recital at Paul Revere Middle School. Afterwards, Brown and her family went to eat at Menzula Restaurant. They did not invite Simpson to join them. One of the waiters at the restaurant was Ron Goldman, who had become close friends with Brown in a few weeks, but was not assigned to Brown's family's table. Brown and her children then went to Ben and Jerry's after returning to Brown's condominium in Bundy Drive, Bretman. The manager of Menonzola counted that Brown's mother telephoned the restaurant at 9.37 p.m. about a pair of lost glasses. The manager found the glasses and put them in a white envelope, which Goldman took with him as he left the restaurant at the end of his shift at 9.50 p.m., intending to drop it off at Brown's place. Meanwhile, um, Simpson ate takeout food from McDonald's at Caddo Kalen, a part of actor, actor, and oh, with Kano Clan, a bit part actor and family friend who had been given the use of a guest house on Simpson's estate. Uh, rumors circulated that Simpson had been on drugs at the time of the murder, and the New York Times Post's Cindy Adams reported that a parrot actually gone to a local Burger King where a prominent drug dealer known only as JR had admitted to selling them crystal meth. Brown's neighbors testified that they heard profane 
profuse sparking coming from the outside through the night, beginning around 10.15 p.m. Around 11, around 10.55 p.m., a dog walker who only lived a few blocks from away from Brown came across Brown's Akita dog barking in the street outside her home. The Akita, whose legs were covered in blood, followed the man home. He tried to walk the dog back where they where he found it but the dog resisted later on he left the akita with the neighboring couple who offered to keep the dog overnight as the dog was agitated the couple decided to walk it back where it was found around midnight they reached the area area where the akita had been found the dog stepped outside brown's home and the couple saw brown's body laying outside the house police called to the scene found goldman's body's body near brown's the front door to Brown's condominium was open when the bodies were found, but there was no signs that anyone had entered the building by breaking in or otherwise. Brown's body was lying down, face down and barefoot at the bottom of the stairs leading to the door. The walkway leading to the stairs was covered in blood, but the soles of Brown's feet were clean. Based on this evidence, investigators concluded that she was the first person to be killed and the intended target. She had been stabbed multiple times in the head and the neck, but there were some defensive wounds on her hands, implying a short struggle to investigators. A final wound inflicted ran deep into her neck, severing her carotid artery. A large bruise in the center of her upper back with a corresponding footprint on her clothes intended to officers, sorry, investigators that after killing Goldman, the assailant turned to Brown's body, stood on her back, pulled her head up by the hair, and slit her throat. Her larynx could be seen through the gaping wound on her neck, and her vertebra C3 was incised. Brown's head barely remained attached to her body. I may have said a lot of medical terms right now, but I have absolutely no idea what I just said. This is why I'm taking a forensics course. Goldman's body lay nearby, close to a tree in the fence. He had been stabbed multiple times in the body and neck, but there are relatively few defensive wounds on his hands, signifying a short struggle to investigators. Forensic evidence from the Los Angeles County coroner alleged that the assailant stabbed Goldman with one hand while holding him in a chokehold. Near Goldman's body were a blue neck cap, a left hand, extra large aris, aris, uh, I think it's Aris Isotoner light leather glove and I can't see anything. Okay, sorry, my phone just glitched. Um and the envelope containing the glasses that he was returning. Goldman's uh, detectives determined that Goldman came to Nicole's house during her killing and the killer killed him to silence Goldman and to remove any witnesses. A trail of the assailant's bloody shoe prints ran through the back of the gate. To the left of some of the prints were drops of blood from the assailant, who was apparently bleeding from the left hand. Measuring the distance between the prints indicated that the assailant walked rather than ran away from the scene. So now I'm going to be talking about this um, flight from Chicago that OJ apparently took. On the night of June 11th, Simpson was scheduled to board a red-eye flight from Los Angeles International Airport to Chicago, where he was due to play golf the following day at a convention with the representatives of Hertz Rental Corporation, for whom he was a spokesman. The flight was due 
to leave at 11.45 p.m., and Limousine revived early at the Simpsons Rockingham Estate to pick him up at around 10.25 p.m. The limousine driver drove around the estate to make sure he could navigate the area with the stretch limousine properly and to see which driveway could have the best access for the limousine. He began to buzz the intercom at 10.40, getting no response. He noted that the house was quiet and nobody seemed to appear to be home as he smoked a cigarette and made several calls to his boss to get Simpson's home phone number. Sorry. Um... He testified that at some point he saw a figure the same size as Simpson enter the house through the front door from where the driveway starts before the lights came on. He did not see what directions the figure came from. He testified that he saw Simpson's home, home number on the curb outside the estate, but no cars parked outside. The prosecutions presented ex- exhibits showing the position next to the house number on the curb in which Simpson's Ford Bronco was found in the next morning, implying that the limousine driver surely should have noted the Bronco if it was there, and he arrived to pick Simpson up. Around the time the uh, limousine driver witnessed the shadowy figure head towards the south walkway where the bloody love would later be found, Kato Hudson was having a telephone conversation with a friend. At approximately 10.40, something crashed through the wall of the guest house, Clayton was staying in, which he described as three thumps, and he feared was an earthquake. Kellyan hung up the phone and ventured outside to investigate the noises, but did not go directly into the dark south path- pathway from which the thumps had originally um, reinstated, originated. Sorry. Um, okay. Um, also, sorry, y'all, my notes are, like, getting all glitched for some reason. Instead, he walked to the front of the property, where he saw the limousine parked outside. Kelly let the limousine in, and Simpson finally came out through the front doors a few minutes later, claiming he had overslept. Both the limousine driver and Kelly would later testify that Simpson seemed agitated that night. The limousine driver noted that on the way to the airport, Simpson complained about how hot it was and sweating and was rolling down the window, despite it not being a warm night. The driver also testified that he had loaded four luggage bags into the car that night, one of them being a knapsack that Simpson would not let him touch, insisting he loaded himself. A porter at the airport just testified that Simpson only checked three bags that night, and the police determined that the many missing luggage was the same knapsack that the limousine driver had mentioned earlier. Another witness, not heard of the trial, claimed he saw Simpson at the airport discarding claims from a bag into a trash can. Detectives Tom Lage and Philip Venture now believe this is how the murder weapon shoes and clothes that Simpson wore that night were disposed. Simpson was running late but caught his flight. A passenger on the plane and the pilot testified to not noticing any cuts or wounds on Simpson's hands. A broken glass, a note with the telephone number on it, and bed streets with blood on them were all recovered from Simpson's room at the O'Hare Plaza Hotel. The manager of the bank called Simpson asking for a um, band-aid for his finger at the front desk. Sorry, recalled Simpson asking for a band-aid for his finger at the front desk because he had, quote, cut it on pieces of notepaper. 
So now we're going to talk more about the um about the arrest. After learning that Brown was a female victim, um the detectives had to notify um OJ because he was like her ex and there is still some like um drama right drama in there. Um and they actually this is where the infamous love story comes in. Um they found um they actually um they discovered a bloodstained right glove which determined to be the mate of the left hand glove that was found next to the body of Goldman. And this evidence was determined to be probable cause to issue an arrest warrant for Simpson. So Simpson it was said that it said that Simpson sounded very upset um about what had happened. Um and at first um Simpson actually was found with a cut on his hand, but he basically said that he cut his finger like accidentally in Ch- well in Chicago after learning of Brown's death. And he did, um, he did give some of his blood, and the DNA was connected to the DNA and blood found at the scene. So, on June 17th, detectives recommended that Simpson be charged with two counts of first-degree murder with special circumstance of multiple killings after the final DNA results came back. So, they basically tried to arrest Simpson, but he disappeared. Um, and then, um, Simpson got to a Kardashian's house. I don't remember which one it was. And they found a, um, and they found a potential suicide note. So, at 5 p.m., Kardashian, one of his defense lawyers, read Simpson's public letter. In the letter, um, Simpson sent greetings to 24 friends and wrote, quote, First, everyone, understand I had nothing to do sorry, with Nicole's murder. He describes the fights with her, with Brown and their decision not to reconcile their relationship and asked the media, quote, As a last witch, to not bother his children. He wrote this to his then-girlfriend, Paula Bernardi. I'm sorry, we're not going to have our chance. As I leave, sorry, um, as I leave, you'll be in my thoughts. And it also included, I can't go on, and then an apology to Goldman's family. The letter concluded, um, don't feel sorry for me. I had a great life, great friends. Please think of the real OJ and not this lost person. Most people interpreted this as a possible suicide note. So, um, there are, like, a lot of, um, things surrounding the car chase, which would take me, like, a solid forever to fully explain. (laughs) And so, no offense to anybody who was hoping to hear about the car chase, but, um... It's really complicated, so we are going to talk about, like, um, about the trial. So, 
the trial did talk a lot about um the fact that OJ was is a um I believe he's still alive is a black man who's accused of murdering um I believe it's two his ex-wife was white so there's a lot of um there was a lot of um racially motivated statements during this trial and um a lot of people thought that he killed her due to like domestic violence or the fact that she was potentially seeing ron goldman um but at the end of it um oj was i um sorry i'm trying to find um my notes are really jambled today. So, um, a lot of race riots actually, um, started after, um, after this. And, um, OJ was found acquitted of all charges. Now, a lot of people actually, um, a lot of people like to talk about this case mostly because of like the fact that it that racism um played a lot in it. And I do agree with this. OJ was a black man and the two people who were found dead um hold on a minute. I'm and um the two people who were found dead were um were white and then like a lot of and then a lot of people talked about how it was also racially charged because they thought that because people potentially thought that OJ was being stereotyped for being a black man and I know a lot of people are probably thinking well after this do you think that he did it so the way that I look at the case is that he definitely had, be, due to the past of domestic violence, he definitely had a lot of, like, motivation to kill her. And if he thought, I know that he's, like, jealousy has been an issue in the past, so if he saw her with Ron, then he might have thought that they were seeing each other. And that, um... And that he killed Ron out of a jealous rage, um, or he killed Nicole out of a jealous rage, and then killed Ron to sort of like not make him to make him not talk. And we also have to talk about the fact that his DNA matched the crime scene. And I know what you're thinking: it's his house. His DNA is going to be all over it. Yet yeah, the blood DNA that's different, though, if you think about it. So. <sighs> Honestly, I don't really really know where I stand on this. It's a it's a tragedy, of course, but I honestly do not know if he should have been found guilty or not. There's a lot of evidence to show that he could have been guilty, but I I guess I kind of believe that he might have killed them. I, I, I really don't know. This case has been interpreted by so many different podcasters. There are some podcasters who are like me who are just like, I'm torn. And there are others who are like, I strongly believe that O.J. Simpson did not kill them. Well, 
I don't think that they did. Well, if he didn't, who did? And we are going to be actually jumping, jumping into the shitload of conspiracies surrounding this case. So now we are going to be diving into some, like, conspiracies, sort of, that I've read either on the internet or heard from other people surrounding this case. Now, I'm not saying that any of these are true. I'm not saying that any of these are, like, plausible or unplausible. But here we go. There are a lot of people who do believe that O.J. Simpson did kill um, Nicole and Ron. There are other people who think that, um, I think his name was Kai or, um, Kale, the guy who was at the crime scene also, um, who might have did it in, like, a drugged out way because, as you may remember, like, he was on a lot of drugs and he, like, the thumps, he thought that it was, like, an earthquake or something. If you hear rustling noises, I just got back from watching uh, Lauren Odress View, and I'm in my room, and my kitten is trying to tear up my bed. Hello, sweetheart. Please stop doing that, for the love of God. Um, so, there are some other people who think that this might have been, like, um, oddly enough, a hit from the government. I don't know how that would exactly work. But people think that maybe the government put a hit out on them. Um, I actually saw the one I saw in a, like, I don't know if it was a tweet or if it was a post or something. But somebody said that, like, they have, like, evidence that it could have been, like, a mob hit. Or, like, I think someone said, like, Hollywood curse. Or it could have been, God, I don't even know anymore. But it could have been, like, um... And up in inspiring, like, uh, um, actor who was, like, jealous in some way. Could have been one of Nicole's ex-boyfriends. Could have been one of Ron's ex-girlfriends. Could have been OJ. Could have not been OJ. Um, but one of the major conspiracies result, um, surrounds around the fact that OJ, his DNA in his blood was found at the scene. And, like other you know who knows maybe that was maybe that was staged or maybe he did kill them because he was jealous for like other reasons or things like that and a lot of these conspiracies are based off of actual facts you know the like um i think there was an article that i was reading that was like five reasons why oj simpson definitely committed the murder one of them was like well, the blood was at the scene and, like, stuff like that. Like, DNA doesn't lie. Which, I mean, sometimes DNA can kind of lie if OJ was, like, a, if, so hypothetically, so let's just say hypothetically that OJ Simpson had a twin brother. Twins share the identical DNA. I know this from an episode of Bull and my forensics class i asked my teacher who is to be a forensic scientist and she actually confirmed that yes this is a real thing they have identical dna so if one of them was found convicted out of a crime they were both they would both probably be brought in due to the fact that their dna is the exact same 
or maybe somebody planted OJ's blood at the scene in the in the glove. Okay, the the more times I think the more time I think about that last theory, the more time I think that maybe not. But one of the most damning pieces of I don't want to say evidence, but um there was a book that came out in 2000 in November 2006 called If I Did It. Um and it's basically it is a book that was ghostwritten by Pablo Phineas um based on interviews with um Simpson title if i did it an account in which the publisher said was a hypothetical confession and apparently this like um this reached a lot of public criticism um and uh ceo of reagan um books rupert murdoch speaking at a press conference stated quote i and Senior management agree with the American public that this was an ill-considered project. But, um, it does actually say that, um, that there was a, like, the title of the book was changed to, If I Did It, Confessions of a Killer. Which kind of is trying to persuade the public more that Simpson did commit the murder. So, there is another piece that I wanted to um, talk about, which is, like, in popular culture. Um, And, yes, we are going to be talking about um, the American crime story, um, O.J. Simpson, I think. Um, The People vs. O.J. Simpson American Crime Story. So, I actually was not able to watch this in time due to um the fact that i applied to six schools over the past two weeks um i have been busy but um so in february 2016 fox uh, sorry fx premiered the anthology series american crime story the self-contained first season the people versus oj simpson american crime story was adapted from the book *The Run of His Life: The People vs. O.J. Simpson* (1997) by Jeffrey Tobin. He also had served as a legal analyst for *The New Yorker* on the trial. The cast, inc- the cast included um, one of my personal heroes, Sarah Paulson as Clark, and nobody else. Just kidding. Uh, Courtney B. Vance as um, Cochran. Um, John Travolta as Scorpio, David Schwimmer as Kardashian, Sterling K. Brown as Dar- Darbin, and um, Cuba Golding Jr. as Simpson. It received critical acclaim and several Emmy Awards. I've been told by other people that it actually is pretty accurate, but now I want to talk about some more other um, media adaptations that you can watch. Stemming from like movies to TV shows to books. Let's start in 1995. Fox premiered the television movie The O.J. Simpson Story, which followed some of the more tawdry events in the relationship between Brown and Simpson, up and including his arrest for Brown's murder. Simpson is portrayed by Bobby Hosa. In 2000, 20, 20th Century Fox produced American Tragedy, starring Ving. Rames as 
Co- Cochran, Christopher Palmer's Bailey, Ron Silver as Shapiro, and Raymond Forkin as Simpson. BBC's BBC TV's documentary O.J. Simpson: The Untold Story, 2000, produced by Malcolm Brink, Brinkworth, quote, reveals that clues that some people pointed away from Simpson as the killer are dismissed or ignored, and highlights two or two other leads that could shed some new light on the case. In 2006, Robert Horgan made a short film. Reenactment of the Century, depicting a reenactment of the killings, starring Gerald Rusher Simpson, Sandra Olson as Brown, and Russ Russo as Golden, Gold, Goldman. In 2014, ID Discovery premiered the documentary O.J. Simpson, Trial of the Century, which begins on the same day as the murders, ends on the reading of the verdict, and compromises actual media footage of the events and reactions as they unfold. And we just talked about the... Um, we just talked about um, the American Crime Story, which also has um, impeachment, which I've been, I don't know if I'm actually going to talk about um, the, um, I know people don't like calling it the Monarch, the, the Lewinsky, I, I mean, I, I still just kind of call it the Bill Clinton scandal, because I don't want to, um, spread blame onto, um, onto Monica, but I hear that's a really good, sorry, show, and, yeah, so, in April 2014, ID Discovery, I just reset that, um, in June 2016, ESPN premiered OJ, Made in America, a eight-hour, an a five-part, eight-hour documentary by Ezra Eldman um, on the trial. The documentary received widespread acclaim and won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. And um, more recently, in January 2020, Court TV premiered OJ25, OJ a 25-part series documenting each week of the trial and hosted by former, former Los Angeles prosecutor and legal analyst Roger Kosak. So here are some of the TVs that have, um, sorry, um, have some that have referenced it. So episodes of sitcoms such as The Simpsons, South Park, Roseanne, God, that aged so poorly, um, Family Guy, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Ronald's versus Walt, Ronald's, The Serial Defense, and oh wait that's just the title of the episode of that's always on in philadelphia which i can test to is not true um and seinfeld have mocked the case or more specifically simpson himself saturday night live host saturday night live weekend update host norm mcdonald's frequently made jokes about oj simpson's trial such as this is what i mostly know about it um quote well It is officially, it is finally official. Murder is now, is legal in the state of California. When Simpson was acquitted. He later claimed that 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 was the reason why he got fired by the job. Um, there are a lot of, um, 
There's also a lot of music that actually um, inspired this, but were inspired by this. Um, uh, R&B group H-Town dedicated their album Ladies Edition Woman's World to Brown to help victims of domestic violence. Uh, rapper, rapper Eminem referenced the murders in his 1999 song Role Model. Um, saying, quote, Me and Marcus Allen went over, over to see Nicole when we heard a knock at the door. Must have been Ron Gold. Jumped behind the door, put the orgy on hold, killed them both, and smeared blood in the white bronco. We did it. I'm sure it sounds a lot better when he says it. Um, California no, new metal band um, referenced Brown's murder in the song Raise Hell off their 2004 album Only in America, um, in which frontman Gerald threatens the listener, quote, I'll chop I chop your head off like my name was OJ. The 2002 song um, Lifestyles of of the Rich and Famous by American punk punk pop band Good Charlotte includes the lyrics, quote, You know you're famous. You can kill your wife. There's no such thing as 25 to life as long as you pay, got the cash to pay for Conrad. In reference to the not guilty verdict, which many believe, but don't, but wouldn't have been the case if Simpson hadn't appointed Conrad Cochran as his lead attorney. Uh, rapper Jay Z also referenced the trial in the song named "Quote the Story of O.J.," which revolves around the case and the influence of systematic racism on the trial, because that was definitely there, as I've talked about um, earlier. Hip hop artist. Magneto Deo released a 2013, quote, diss track song entitled O.J. Simpson in which he insults his ex-girlfriend slash artist to be nasty by referencing the, um, Simpson murder case. Um, the song Spooky Mormon Dream Hell from the 2011 Broadway musical The Book of Mormon includes um, Cochran appearing as one of Elder Price's biggest fears, along Genghis Khan, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Adolf Hitler. Um, each character has a line describing why Price is afraid of them, with Conrad's being, quote, I got OJ free. <sighs> yeah, so this has been represented in the media a lot. So I'm going to wrap up, um by seeing sort of what I think about the trial and um, who I think actually and what my friend has been waiting for for almost the past 40 minutes, unless she somehow knew that this was going to be played around the 40-ish minute mark, um, that I kind of want to wait. I kind of want to fill it in until I get to exactly 40 minutes. <laughs> that would be mean. Um... And I, and I will actually tell you who I think committed the murder. Sorry. The murders. <laughs> okay. So, we've reached the end of the episode. And now the moment you all, probably one of you actually, has been waiting for. Have been waiting for. Well, Tate, who do you think committed the murder? I honestly, after all this research... 
and all this, like, watching documentaries and stuff, y'all, I got no fucking clue. I have no idea. I'm not an investigator. I have no clue. Because I can sort of see where the O.J. Simpson, I can see, I can, I can, I can envision a world where he did do it. But also, there was some major, um, systematic racism attached to this case. Because O.J. was black, and the victims were white. But, race set aside, and I'm aware that that's not how that works, um, I think that there is proficient evidence. I think that there is um, both um, a circumstantial and direct evidence that ties him to the crime. And if my teacher is listening, I used correct terminology instead of, eh, I guess there's some evidence there, I guess. I now know circumstantial and direct evidence and the difference between them. I'm not going to say it because I don't remember because it's 1130 on a Thursday. And I just watched Big Sky and almost threw myself out of a window. Which, fun fact, did did y'all know that defenestrate means to throw yourself out of a window or to throw something out of a window? So instead of saying, oh my god, I want to throw myself off out of a window, you can just say, I want to defenestrate myself. Yeah. Anyway, back to the case. I honestly don't know. It could have been a random killing. But yet again, there's too much evidence to connecting to, to OJ. It could be the guy who was staying in OJ's guest house. But there's a lot of evidence that points to OJ, especially the car chase that I didn't actually talk about because I didn't feel like doing that much research into all of it. Sorry, my bad. Um, you can read about it in the... You can read about it in my sources. Um, I honestly have no idea. Because, as I said before, I can see from both sides. Because I feel like if I say, yes, I believe that O.J. Simpson did kill him, my other side of my brain is going to think, but think about the systematic racism attached to what you just said. But if I say, I don't think that he killed him, then my brain's going to be like, well, then who did? I'm going to be like, shut up. I'm not an investigator. I am a teenager with a true crime podcast. I'm not going to solve a murder within like three hours of researching a case. That's not how it works. That's um, it's not how it works. Law and Order SVU, NCIS, CSI, um, Law and Order, Organized Crime, um, Bones... Already talks about the process behind it. Um, yeah, anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I know it was kind of hectic because I was half asleep recording this and I don't remember anything before the media representation, but that's okay. Um, oh, I did say I was going to do a topic reveal for, um, for the scary tales, so here it is, insert drum roll here, um, just kidding, I don't have an editor, um, I'm going to be talking about haunted houses, or haunted mansions, um, I'm 
so tempted to cover Zach Bain, Zach Bagan's um, Haunted Mansion solely for the peeps over it, and that's why we drink. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit Zach into my schedule, even though I probably could go off on a full tangent about how much I want to go visit that mansion for my graduate for my graduation party. Um, honestly, I should just rent out the entire mansion for my gra- for my graduation party. Um, but yeah, that is going to be starting next. Um, yeah. Uh, that is going to be starting next week on, um, on Tuesday. Um, and yeah, I'm also going to be making an Instagram post about it. Um, and within that, I'm also going to do, like, a little, like, update. And it's basically going to be me trying on different hat, different Halloween hats that I found in my basement. I look terrible in all of them. It's going to look really funny. Um, but again, thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode. I hope you had a great time listening. And I just want to say I still have my swaggy like sleep buttons, which according to my friend after tonight, I should be getting more orders in. I don't know what that means. I don't understand Ainsley's, um, like tweets anymore. I don't, I don't understand. Um, also, you know, Ainsley Sager, if you're listening, I would love to have you on to talk about it, talk about the show, because that would be fun. Um, anyway, maybe I'll email you. I don't know. Um, and speaking of email, um, if you would like to have a free, tiny, little um, swaggy like sleep button, um, you can contact me at Twitter, um, contact me on Twitter at whenopen.pod. Instagram at whenopen.podcast, my email, which is in the description of this episode, or my TikTok at whenopenpod. Um, I would really like to order, get some more of these out, um, and remember to sleep with when I open.